You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, a minute ago I, I uh, introduced briefly Dylan Oney, who's going to come and share in just a second. But I, I want to take a second to actually introduce him because I picked on him a little bit and picked on surfers and, and stuff a minute ago. I, I want to be serious for just a second. Uh, you know, when you look at the Bible, we see this really cool thing happen where uh, a local group of Christians uh, will will have someone rise up out of their midst who then can go and take the message and the light of Jesus to another place uh, in the world, whether it be across the street or, or around the corner or in another city or even across an ocean. And uh, I got to tell you, when I first met Dylan, um, when, when I, my family first moved here to Wilmington to start Venture Church, which was close to three years ago when, when that happened, uh, you know, one thing that I was doing was just actively looking for people who were ready for a change in their life and ready for Jesus to come in and do something different with them. And so uh, one of the people that I met was Dylan. He was a student at UNCW, and we had some some mutual friends. And I remember we met for coffee uh, at a PCJ that's not there anymore, Port City Java that's not even there anymore. And we, we sat and we talked, and uh, what I saw in this guy was a passion. Uh, I, I think we were studying, like, criminal something, some kind of police officer school, or I don't even know. I don't know what you were doing. Maybe you'll tell everybody. It was something different, and, and you're, I was like, do you want to do that? And he said, I don't know. I don't think so. And I said, why? He was like, I, just, I don't know. I just feel like there's something more I could be doing with my life. And uh, so he started coming to church with us back when there was like 10 of us in a, in a house and hanging out. And before long, Dylan became just an instrumental part of our core group. Uh, and then as we launched into weekly services back at the YMCA, uh, Dylan was very much a leader. It, it was on a Sunday, on Sunday mornings, there were times when uh, Dylan knew more about what was happening on Sunday than any other one person, including myself. And so often people would go to Dylan and say, Dylan, what's, what's this going on with this? What's going on with that? And what, what do we need to know? Because he worked on every team and he did everything. And uh, in the Bible, there's this guy named Timothy that uh, he's, he's kind of taught up under the Apostle Paul. And then Paul sends Timothy on missionary journeys, and Timothy is involved in starting churches around the world. And so since then, uh, churches have used the phrase Timothy to refer to someone who leaves from a local congregation and go out and serve God's kingdom in that way. And so uh, in many ways, the, the Dylan grew up in another church in another city, and, and we love his home church as well. Uh, we like to think that we can claim a little piece of Dylan's heart uh, here at Venture. And so uh, I want to welcome to the stage Dylan Oni and Oni, and I hope you guys can give him a warm Venture Church welcome. Welcome, brother. It's really cool to see the change that's happened just since I've been gone last September. So as he was saying, I'm a part of an organization known as Surfing the Nations, and it's based out of Oahu, Hawaii, and it's actually in the city of Wahiwa. These are a lot of foreign words that you guys probably don't even know, but it's fine. So it's like centrally based in Oahu, about 25 minutes from the North Shore, about 45 minutes from Honolulu. But... The organization that um, I'm a part of, it's a Christian organization, so we work with the at-risk youth, and we also work internationally and with people who just need food for the, the week or the day or anything like that. So it's, we do things either from like after-school tutoring for the at-risk youth that are in our community to doing surf lessons, swim lessons for the people that live in Wahiwa and around the island, just because a lot of people think that Hawaiians all know how to surf, all know how to swim, but the, the truth is the majority of them don't even know how to swim. So it's something that we're trying to provide an outlet for them to pursue that passion, like what Chris was talking about in my life, and 
show them that there's a way to use surfing as a, as a tool, as an instrument to give back to the rest of the community. And we also do international. So we go places like Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Philippines, Indonesia, and we also even go to North Korea. So it's something that a lot of people don't know about because it's such a closed-off nation, and it's so raw and real over there that we, we tend to bring just a core group of people over there. But it's, it's amazing just to see the power that surfing has and being able for us to go into nations like these that are closed off that if you proclaimed Christianity and proclaimed God, then you would just be shut down, not even invited in. So we're able to use that tool of surfing just as an outlet to go into those places. Um, also, I just want to thank all of you guys just for the support and the prayers that you've had in my life since I've been gone, because there's no way that I would be able to be there if it wasn't for you guys and people like you just praying for me and challenging me and encouraging me daily. So I appreciate all of that. But I didn't really come here to talk about me and talk about STN. I wanted to come here just to talk about relationships with God. So like this says, a conversation with Jesus. So like Chris was saying last week and even earlier at the, the beginning of the sermon, he was talking about how they're going over the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and times where Jesus talked with either disciples or people in, the, in wherever he's living and just conversations that he had with those people. But I kind of don't always listen, so, uh, yeah, so I decided to choose Acts. So my family knows very well that I don't listen. Like I, my grandma calls me all the time and asks me whenever I'm going to cut my hair, but still, I have my hair in a bun, so, and it's ongoing, like, every time I think that's the first thing that she asks me is, when are you cutting the mop off your head? So it's like, sometimes you just got to sweep up stuff, and you don't have a mop, so use my hair. All right, so, with that being said, like, I, I'm talking about Acts chapter 9, so this is the conversion of Saul. So Saul was a Pharisee at the time, at the beginnings of the church, back when Christians and the people who followed Christianity and Jesus were part of what's known as the way. So this is the very beginnings. Jesus just ascended into heaven, just went up to be with God. And this is one of the first times that Jesus actually talks through, through visions and through just speaking into people's lives. So, yeah, um, before I start going into that, I just want to talk about the first, I've, I found four truths that I believe are in Acts chapter 9, and the first one that I want to cover is just awaken the sleeping. So by this I mean I don't physically, I don't mean Jesus actually wants to physically wake you up from his, your sleep, because we all need sleep, and it's good, and it's, I love sleeping a lot. I'm actually running like four hours, so bear, bear that in mind. Um, but yeah, so... Um, awaken the sleeping. I just want to share a testimony of myself through this time and just kind of relate how it talks. This passage is talking to us in real time, real now, just as much as it was back when Jesus was actually talking to Saul. So I want to share my testimony. So since being at Surfing the Nations, I've learned the power of testimony and how much life that can bring not only to yourself when you speak it out, but to others when they hear it and understand the truths and the power of 
people are going through the same raw and real thing that you are. So <clears throat> uh, this is kind of awkward because a lot of this stuff my mom probably doesn't know and she's in their room. So hopefully she doesn't get too mad at me. All right. So yeah, to start off a few years ago, I was in deep need of being awoken, kind of like what Chris was saying. I don't even know if he knew the kind of stuff that I was getting into during the time. So I was a sophomore in college, so all I really cared about was myself, what I wanted, what I needed. How can I make myself happy? How can I get day by day with just having a smile on my face and not necessarily caring about the person next to me or what they're doing? So I was really big into the party scene. I loved going to parties. I I smoked, sorry mom, and I drank a lot. So this was a time where I, yeah, I was... It's the day I was, I just got home from a party. I was literally just covered in puke from having way too much fun, so to speak. And I was sitting in the shower just thinking, I was like, man, what am I doing with my life? And I looked down and I look at my tattoo on my wrist and it's Romans 12, which talks about being a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And I was like, oh, that's like gut wrench, like, man, I'm not doing this at all. What the heck am I doing with my life? Like, I, something needs to change. Something needs to happen in order for me to get back on track. So, yeah, my, mom, my grandma and my mom both also scolded me for the tattoo. So, it's a common correlation between things that I constantly do and things I constantly get scolded about. But, um, but yeah, just to jump into the scripture. So, we're looking at Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1, we're going to, um, yeah, just talk about Saul for a second. So Saul, like I was saying before, was a Pharisee, so he was a Jew at the time. All he cared about was persecuting the Christians or the people of the way at that time. He wanted to constantly take them and put them in prison and get rid of them. He wanted it all to be about the law of Moses, so the past Old Testament law is what he studied and what he believed. So if we look at it, it says, Meanwhile, Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found any there that belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So if you actually look at verse 1, it talks about him breathing out murderous threats against them. So he wasn't actually just saying these things, it was breathing it out. It was something that was so natural to him that he didn't even have to think about it. That's how much he hated Christians at the time. Um, it's just something so raw and powerful that someone can hate people that he doesn't even necessarily know so much that it's a part of his being. It's a part of who he is. Um, if you carry, keep going on into to verse 3 and 4, so it talks about how Saul is heading to Damascus where he got the letters in order to pursue these Christians of the way and put them into prison. These are the guys that he was breathing out those murderous threats to. So he's headed there. It's about 150 miles away from Jerusalem. So it takes effort to walk 150 miles. I'm never going to do that in my life, I hope. So this guy had a purpose that he was going to go and do this. Um, but then this talks about how... G- Jesus stopped Saul dead in his tracks. It's like, and all of a sudden, there's a light comes from heaven, and Jesus says, um, speaks and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? 
And if this isn't a wake-up call to him, like, I don't know what it is. If, if a light came down from heaven and shined in the face of me and I got, became blinded by it, I know I'd pee myself right then and there. And I would be calling my mom, like, Mom, something's going on. You need to, like, come get me because I don't know what's happening. So I'm pretty sure Saul probably did the same, but it wasn't added into the script. So, um, Yeah, so... That's when he, Jesus looked at him and just says, yeah, Saul asked, Lord, is that you? So he's like, is that, is that this guy who I've been persecuting the whole time? Is this who I've been like, I've been chasing after to get rid of the whole time? It's, it's like instantly Saul knew like, crap, I've been doing something terribly wrong. I've had this false knowledge of, of this whole scripture that I spent my entire life learning and reading about and it's it's so evident that when the lord comes to wake you up it's undeniable it's something that you can't miss it's something that you you will automatically know like oh my gosh this is god telling me to wake up and get ready because something is about to happen but what i found in this scripture is it's a decision on our part if we wake up or not so god's going to do his part it's said in the bible that he's always going to be there he's always going to be pushing you but it's on our end of am i ready to wake up am i actually willing to take this life on full head full head over heels um so if we look into verse six it just jesus lets saul know who is actually in charge so he says to get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do but notice how jesus didn't try to convince saul he was just like go do it he didn't say if it's a convenience to you can you go into the city because like i have something planned for you i want you to do this he was like no get up go you're going here no matter what wake up get your act together um and just from this you can just see that there's no such thing as waiting for the perfect timing with jesus the perfect timing is always now it's just got it's because god wants you to get up and go and spread his word and his love so i think it's cool how Chris talked about Timothy and how um, Timothy was one of the younger men who decided to get up and follow Jesus. But I think that the devil has like true two lies that he tries to tell everyone is one that you're either too old or that you're too young to go up and start doing something. But the truth that that the enemy or the devil is trying to hide is that you're never too old, you're never too young. Whatever you're doing now, it's time to get up. It's time to follow God. Um, yeah, so if we look into verse 8 and 9, just to knock Saul down into a couple more notches of having to get back up, this is when Jesus makes him blind. So this makes him completely rely on the people that he's with to get to Damascus. And I believe that this is Jesus just making him have a time where he's forced to reflect on what he's been doing and forced to reflect on it's the power and authenticity of God and what he is and who he truly is and how you can, how he's just going to speak to you no, whether you want to listen or not. All right. So the second truth that I want to talk about is um, in Acts chapter 9 is to empower the diligent. So I love talking in big words, but the problem is my vocabulary is very small. So I actually had to figure out what the definition of diligent meant 
So this was like a word that I got from God, and I was like, okay, diligent, that's like super cool, but I don't really know what it means. So I was like, maybe I should look up the definition. So it means to be active, conscientious, eager, persistent, studious, or constant. So these are all things that I believe that God wants us to be in Him. It's something that God wants. When we are these, when we're active, when we're conscientious, when we're eager, persistent in Him, that's when He's going to empower us to do the craziness that God has. The, the power that God has, is He's going to allow us to have so that we can fill the room with it, so that we can fill other people with that. Um, so going back to my personal story and my me just... Um, opening up to my mom and telling her all my deepest, darkest secrets that I never wanted to tell her, but I'm telling her in front of a group of people so she can't beat me right here and now. Um, I just want to uh, talk about the... So after the revelation of me being awoken by God and me being smacked in the face by God, really, and just having that revelation of me needing to get up and go, not even a week later, this is super crazy, only God would have been able to do this, I got a phone call from Chris asking me to join the venture. Get it? <laughs> join the venture and join his church. So I was like, oh, I guess that's God smacking me in the face again, telling me to get up and get going. So I had no other thing but to say yes, and I was honestly stoked to finally come out of that, that dark past that I had had and that had been sitting and staring there for so long and finally be... Uh, back to where I needed to join God and be in that relationship with God. So this is just me talking about the the diligence that Chris had and listening to God's word and listening to what God told him to say, not even knowing, he like knew me, but he didn't know me. He didn't know what I was going through that time. We probably hadn't spoken in like five years. And out of the blue, he caused me to join the venture. And uh, it's just so powerful to see how God works through people to get us to do what he wants us to do so i just want to personally thank chris i don't think i've ever actually said that out loud so thank you yeah so empower the diligent so in verse 10 we come to know a disciple named ananias ananias was someone who had been following the way he'd been following jesus since the beginning he was a solid key figure in christianity at that time and so Jesus called upon him, and the, the difference in reaction when Ananias heard God and the vision from when Saul heard God and questioned it, Ananias was automatically like, yes, God, like, what can I do, basically? Like, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to receive whatever you have to say to me. What can I do for you? And then that's when the Lord tells Ananias to go and do one of the most gut-wrenching things that he probably ever had to do, ever thought about doing it's going and talking to the person who he feared the most who he hated the most if you want to say that word if he who he didn't want to be around no matter what who he wanted to avoid at all costs this was a this was Saul the guy who came personally probably to persecute him and all of his friends and this is and God's telling him to go and find Saul so I don't know about you, but if God told me to do that, I would definitely question it. And that's exactly what Ananias did. So Ananias in verse, in verse 13, he tries to convince God that's a bad idea. He says, Lord, this man has come here with the authority to arrest all who call upon your name. How often 
do we do that as Christians? God, that person really doesn't need my prayer right now. This person really doesn't need me. There's so many other people that can do that. I'm just going to step aside and I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to follow my path. Like, God, it's, it's kind of an inconvenience right now. I'm in like the middle of dinner. I don't want to talk to this person. Or God... I don't want to go to church this morning. I was like, I was up all night partying with my friends, and I just know it's going to be a bad time. But if you look at the very next verse, it's God, or Jesus stopping him dead in his tracks, and he's like, go. So it's explanation marks. Go. This man is important to me. Saul's important to me. I love this guy. You might not see the power and the the worthiness that he has and how much I love him, but I do, so I want you to go to him. He needs to know what it truly means to follow me, and I need you and Ananias to open his eyes to that. So God's using Ananias basically as um, a carrier of his word. He's using Ananias to fill in the gap for Saul at this time. So Ananias being the diligent man or the... Active man, conscientious man, perseverant man of God, eventually lets up and says, God, okay, I'm going to go where Saul is. Empower me and I'll be there. All right. So the third truth found in this chapter of Acts chapter 9 is that God wants to heal the broken. So what I mean by that is that he wants to heal the people that are in need, to heal the, the spiritually hurt, the physically hurt, the the people who are so distant from God and so broken, so wounded, so so much in pain that he wants to be there and wrap his arms around them and fill them with his love and with his care. So he uses Ananias at this time to fill in the gap and go to where Saul is. So while Ananias was going, look at what he says in verse 17 as he meets Saul. So he lays his hands on him, a man whose life, life's goal was to persecute Ananias. And he goes up to him and says, brother. Brother's a really powerful word. I don't have a brother, but I have three sisters and I. It's a love-hate relationship, but obviously this, this guy, <laughs> I love them, but they usually just tend to hate me, so... I kind of see it as me being Ananias and then all my sisters kind of like saw at this time. And it was like, but <laughs> no, but yeah, so Saul goes and he says, brother, brother, like, so Ananias became to overcome evil with good at this time. He was so obedient to God's command that he begins to show a relationship between himself and Saul. See, he didn't start going and preaching about God. Dude, you're screwed up. You need to get your life together. You need to get your act together. You need to stop persecuting all of us. But instead he goes and is like, dude, Saul, I love you. What's Like, you're my brother. He puts his hand on him. Like, building that relationship, building that trust in God is so powerful. And it's something that I've witnessed so much. At STN, just of being, being that person that fills in the gap, being that person that lays a hand on, on a homeless guy that probably has never talked to someone that in a loving tone and so long because so many people just look down on them. So, yeah, brother, brother. And this obviously wasn't Ananias speaking straight out of his own will. I, I believe this is God speaking through Ananias and, and showing Saul 
just that compassion and acceptance that God has for everyone, just that loving attitude that God has for everyone. He says, so it's just like, how much more do we need people in this world to enact God's love in a daring way by, by calling us a name that we haven't yet earned and that we haven't accepted for ourselves? So Saul's this guy persecuting everyone, and here's a, a disciple of, of Jesus, a guy who's persecuting, and he's calling him brother. There's, he hasn't done anything to accept that, and he hasn't accepted it himself. He hasn't earned any of this. But and I says, Jesus sent me here so that I can, so that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as soon as Ananias said this prayer, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes. So he once was blind, but now he can see through God's power, through Ananias' diligence, empowered by God to be able to heal him. Not only spiritually, he got filled with the Holy Spirit right then and there through the power of God, but he also got filled physically through his blindness that he had and if (laughs) it's like this is probably my favorite part of the whole story not because Saul was the farthest person from Jesus at the time and he got saved but because God used an ordinary man like Ananias to do something extraordinary so this is a guy who Ananias was a normal guy like me a normal guy like you guys and he used him to reach the most unreachable person in the world. Something that just blows my mind every time I read this passage. And then if you look further into verse 9, like Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop in the, in the spiritual. He, he goes even farther and goes into the physical, kind of like what I was talking about with healing his eyes. But then he feeds him. So it just goes on and talks about, I just... Jesus cares about our whole beings. They're not just spiritual. So he cares about our spiritual, mental, and our physical. And this is just a, I feel like uh, whoever wrote Acts, I'm sorry, mine slipped. So whoever wrote Acts just threw that in there just to, just to show that power of God wanting to care about all of us all together. All right. So now I just want to backtrack a little bit to go back into the, empowering the diligent, being that person who is persistent, steadfast, active in God. And so in Acts 20 through 22, it just, this is all talking about Saul and his diligence in preaching the gospel. So Saul was so radically saved by God and so radically touched by Ananias and his, the relationship that he got with Ananias that brought him to Jesus that now he's so stoked on God that the people that he used to persecute He's going to the people that he was friends with and speaking against them, speaking the word of God to them, speaking the truth of God, and loving on these people that, like a day before, he was going to go put in prison, if not kill. God's power is like overwhelms me every time. I'm just like, what the heck? God, you're so powerful. Like, you, you empowered. It says in verse 22 that Saul grew more and more powerful and it baffled the, Jew, the Jews living in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Saul became so diligent, so fast, God just overpowered him with the power of him that he was able to baffle the Jews. Crazy. All right. So, just to go back to my testimony, it's funny how this chapter correlates with my life so well and where I was of needing to be awoken to Chris being diligent and bringing me back into that 
healed relationship with God where I'm finally understanding what true relationship with him is, what it means to follow him, that now I'm starting to get the feeling that I need to become diligent in God as well. And I want to be empowered by God. I want to be used by God to reach other people. And this is when I started to, like Chris was saying, share my passions of surfing and share my passions of God and wanting to correlate this. And this is how I eventually ended up at surfing the nations. I was ready to go. I was ready to be active in God so that I went there. All right. The last, finally, we're at the end. So the last one is the fourth truth of God in Acts chapter 9. And what I believe is probably the most powerful in all of the Bible, and that's that God wants to love the unlovable. So if you look into uh, Acts chapter 9, 26, it says that all of the, the disciples of Jesus in Jer- Jerusalem were afraid of Saul. So all these people that had this understanding of God, all these people that had the relationship with God, they were still scared of Saul. They knew his past. They knew what he did. But then in verse 27, there's this one guy named Barnabas who, who takes him in. Uh, the Greek translation, if you look at it, literally says that Barnabas took Saul by the hand led him in before the apostles to affirm his belief in the conversion of Saul and new life in Christ. So here's a guy, he's putting his reputation, his life, his trust from all the other disciples on on the line just to prove that Saul is a changed man. Like God worked so much, so radically in his life that he is like in so much love of Jesus now that he's ready to go spread it to the world. And Barnabas is the one guy who's able to pick him up, pick Saul up, bring him to the apostles who Saul's been just dreading going to and going to visit for so long to prove to those disciples that he is committed to God now. Um, So I just think that this is a testament of what true love is, what what it looks like when God says, I truly love the unlovable, to accept those who typically aren't accepted, even with even from their past, even from what they used to do, to being like calling out the good in this guy and be like, no, nah, man, he's changed. There's something different about this guy. No, nah, this guy is one of us now. And bringing him in is being like, dude, you're accepted, you're loved. These, all these people, you, so, you think you're so unlovable, you think you're so far away from God that you can't turn back. No one's going to accept you anymore. Dude, forget that. Like God's power, God's Love is so overwhelming that he's, he's been in love with you since the beginning. It's just him waiting for you to wake up and go to him, be healed by him, be overcome by his, his hug, his embrace. And then that's what happened to Saul. And then through that, Saul went on and was probably the most prominent key figure in the, in the new church. So in Acts, after Acts, almost Probably like 75%, I don't know the actual number, but Saul changed his name to Paul, who, probably, who most of you guys probably know. So Paul is the key figure in, the, key, in the, the new church, and he wrote most of the New Testament. This guy who was so far away from God that he was breathing out threats against them, so natural to him to not love the, the way, the people of the way, the Christians, that now he's so in love with God, so on fire for God, that he's 
Dude, he's just a wrecking ball, in the words of Miley Cyrus, for God. He's, he's like, dude, look what I found in God. Look at this relationship that I now have in him. And it's because God used this simple, ordinary man of Ananias to show Saul that love. So I just want, want you to see and it's, I want you to know that just through this text, it's not about teaching people about God, but it's about walking out that steps of who God is. It's about the truths of God. It's about waking up and listening to what God has to say to you every day, every hour, every minute. So it's being diligent and obeying what he tells you to do. It's also watching God take over as you're being diligent and healing those people that need it the most, loving those unlovable people just by your relationship, you going over to the person you despise the most and saying, brother, I love you. I want this relationship with you, with God. I love you so much that I want you to know who God is. Um, so I just want to close with a story just from I recently had a couple of weeks ago. STN just kind of fits in this and fits in the power of God using us as ordinary people to do the extraordinary. So... Every week, our Surfing the Nations in Wahiwa has a barbecue for the homeless. And I was there that particular day. And um, as I was there, I just saw someone sitting on a bench in the park that we have the barbecue. And you know when you get that gut-wrenching feeling in your stomach, like, man, I have to go talk to this person. Um, that's, what I ha- that's what happened to me. And so I went, and I was the one time that I was like, Sometimes I get those feelings, I'm like, nah, I brush it off. But this one time I was diligent in God's word, diligent in what God was telling me to do. So I went and talked to him. And I invited him over to have the chili and eat eat the rice that we cooked for all the guys. I came, ended up talking for the majority of that evening. And then we went home, and I was cool. And then the next morning we woke up, 7 a.m. I look out, and on the lanai, so lanai is a Hawaiian word for the back porch, Here's this guy sitting there just like waiting for the day. So apparently he heard that the following day we were going to have a property project. So we're cleaning the whole property for the next group of interns that are coming in a couple of days from now. And he was there at 7 in the morning ready to, ready to work. Doesn't even know us. Just had a meal with us that one day. And it kept happening. So that day ended. He was there all day working with us. The next day, wake up, look outside. He's on the bench. Again, we're like, dude, we don't have property projects again today. Like, what's going on? Like, do you need something? You need help? And he's like, no, he's just ready to serve. This guy got so stoked and so on fire for God so fast that he was there day after day after day. And after about a week of that, we, I started sat down and talked with him. And I was asking him, like, what's going on? And the night before we had that barbecue, his brother got in a terrible accident and was in the hospital in critical condition. And None of us knew it, but then that, like, hit Manny, the guy at this barbecue, so hard that he was like, man, something's got to change. God woke him up that day. Dude, I've been here the whole time. Wake up, go out there, start doing something. And then, thank God I was diligent in what God wanted me to do that day and going to talk to him. So then through that process, Manny was healed from that spiritual dryness, and he started just to get empowered by God. He started to get stoked on God that he started to serve. This guy who's homeless doesn't have a home. He's literally living on the streets, and he's up ready and willing to serve every day. And then through that, 
not even like two weeks later, he's like, man, dude, I got to get baptized. Like something's radically going on in my life. I don't even know how to explain it, but I know I have to get baptized. And it's, it's just so awesome to see a living, active translation of Acts chapter 9 in my life of someone broken, needing to be awoken, to becoming diligent, just like Saul, from Ananias using um, his power and being diligent to empower Saul. So it's just like Manny. And now here's Manny, this guy who's homeless, who doesn't even have a home, becoming diligent in God, becoming healed in God, that he's getting baptized and radically saved. And now it's just a testament of God loving the unlovable, the people who most people just walk by, don't even look at it. They're just like, oh, another homeless guy, dude. I don't, there's so many people walking on the streets, like just turn away. And just being diligent that one person can change and radically impact someone's life. Um, so I just want to pray with you guys today as we close up. So I don't know how long it was. I might have gone over a lot, but I apologize. Or maybe it was only 10 minutes and I just time goes by really slow. But, all right, so God, I just pray that we are awoken by you today, Lord. I pray that, yeah, you wake us up from our stubbornness, from our dirty, grimy past, and you just empower us to be diligent in you so that we can live your kingdom here on earth with you. I pray that you heal the broken from their pains and from their hurts and their needs that are in here, Lord. I pray that you... Fill them with your peace that you constantly give us, Lord. And I pray that you draw them to you. Draw the unlovable people with all that baggage to you. Let us be like Barnabas and Ananias. And let us show that love to those unlovable people, Lord. Yeah, in in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Dylan? Great word, man. And, and don't worry, you're right on time. Perfect. It was exactly the right amount of time. Um, you know, uh, at the end of our teaching time each day, we have a time uh, where we just encourage you right in your seats to do one of two things. Uh, one, the first and easiest thing is just to reflect, to sit and think about what was just said. The thing that bounces around in my head so much is a question that I just kind of want to place with you. And it's this question. What do you do? What is it that you do? Like for Dylan, he was a student and a surfer. And if someone met Dylan, that's what they would know about him. And, and, and the thing I want you to bounce around in your head is, what is it that I do? And, and then, how could I do that for God? I mean, what do you do? Are you a teacher? Are you a nurse? A doctor? Are you a, you're, you're a daycare provider? Do you, are you a mechanic? Do you work on cars? Do you work on homes? Do you work on uh, plumbing? Do you work with the city, with the state? Do you work in retail? What do you do? The story of, of Ananias and Saul is a story of Saul who was an educated man who took his education and his influence and he did that for Jesus. The story of Dylan is this guy who just has a passion for people and for surfing. He's, I'm going to do that for Jesus. This guy, Manny, he's a guy who had hands. And he's like, right now I don't even have a home, but I've got hands. I'm going to do that for Jesus. So like, what do you do? And how could you take that thing And let God empower the diligent. That's you. Be diligent. Pursue it.